Welcome to Social Proof, a podcast about influence brought to you by Soapbox. We're in the business of social media and influencer marketing. So we talk to people every day who've built brands, fans, and followers. We're intrigued by the idea of influence. What makes certain people so compelling? Join us each and every week as we raise our glasses with captivating individuals and dig into what it means to develop a personal brand and have true influence. Cheers to real people and riveting stories. Hey, welcome to Social Proof. I'm Beth Stevens, and I'm thrilled to be back with season two. And we've got a really exciting guest on with us today, Christina Royster. Welcome, Christina. Hi, thanks for having me, Beth. It's really exciting to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you. So I've kind of stalked you a little bit and fangirled over you for a while. And um, I found you via your time with Fast Company. Huge fan of the publication. I love tech and love your writing. And so I think that's sort of how I first came across you on LinkedIn. And then you were kind enough to um, not shun me. <laughs> but um, So I'm really excited to just get to know you a little bit. Normally, when we have a guest on, we have a little bit of an existing relationship. So I think this is going to be kind of fun to get to know you in the course of recording today. So will you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Sure. So I consider myself a storyteller and that really goes across all mediums. I started out in graphic design, actually. I think a lot of people are surprised by my background. (laughs) So I started out in graphic design, working in nonprofits, marketing, advertising agencies, Uh, One of my claims to fame was I got the chance to work on some Nutella packaging at one of the ad agencies. I love Nutella. (laughs) And so uh, from there, yeah, from there, from advertising, I kind of transitioned into social media and that's how I landed at Fast Company. And so during my time at Fast Company, I was a senior social media producer running all of their social media accounts. I was the face of their TikTok. I was co-hosting a podcast. And, you know, it kind of always, like I said, goes back to that storytelling aspect, because in my own personal life, outside of my nine to five, I was blogging, I was mm-hmm. podcasting, I was a brand ambassador for a natural hair company. So I, I definitely consider myself a storyteller and not just telling my own stories, but telling mm-hmm. other people's stories. So I never considered myself an influencer. I was so surprised <laughs> when you invited me on the show. But, you know, someone once told me that if you've recommended a restaurant to someone, you're yes. an influencer. So Done. You're an influencer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that kind of That's made me funny. realize, you know, all the storytelling that I've been doing over the course of my career, I guess I was an influencer all along. So once I finally officially became an influencer as a brand ambassador, then I kind of, you know, started to take my platform a little more seriously. So I've been podcasting for four years now. Okay. I love it. Well, that was such a great introduction. You gave me so much I want to dig into there. So thank you for that. And I think it's really interesting that you've got a couple of sides of the spectrum here, right? So a little newer to being officially an influencer, but you've seen the social media side, you've seen the brand side, you've seen the podcasting side. I I love that you consider yourself a storyteller because I think a good influencer is first and foremost a storyteller. And then you have an incredible speaking voice. So that's exciting to know that you're both your written communication and and your spoken communication are just kind of on par. So that's fun. You said something interesting, and that's that you never considered yourself an influencer. And you would be amazed how often we hear that on Social Proof. (laughs) And I think in a way, I, I take a little pride in that because we try to find people who are influential, who have cultivated a voice um, our storytellers, but maybe they're a little caught off guard when we say we want to talk to you as an influencer. So how does that hit you? I, I'm curious now that you're playing on the brand ambassador side. Can you dig into that a little more? 
Yeah. So I think about 2020, I, I saw some opportunities on social media to be a brand ambassador for Eden Body Works, a natural hair care company, okay. Black woman owned. And the first thing they asked us to do was make a video about why you wanted to be an ambassador. <laughs> and I sat down and I really thought about it. And of course, you know, as an influencer, you get free products, you get paid. But mm-hmm. I really thought about the impact that I would have on other women. And for me, in the natural hair care space, that was even a learning experience for me because I have short cropped curly hair right now, but it was not always like this. And so even that, just learning more about my culture, learning about my hair texture, that was a challenge for me. And so my response for that introductory video was that I really wanted to help educate other women like me. And I really just do it on a personal level. You know, I just meet people where they are. I don't try to act like I know everything because I don't. I'm always still learning, even as an influencer. And so now that, you know, I've kind of gotten that experience under my belt, that really has stuck with me throughout all of my storytelling on my podcast. You know, it's kind of a pop culture podcast. I cover pop culture news. But I think what differentiates me, like you said, kind of is that integrity, that trust I build with my audience, you know, that whole idea, like, I'm just like you. Mm-hmm. But I really take that seriously. You know, I learn from my audience and I listen to their feedback and I take that to make the show better. And so I feel like that is influence in itself when you're not yes. only educating people, but also learning from them as well. See, you're just validating why we knew you were a perfect fit for the podcast. I think you hit the nail on the head that I I think so often the perception of influencers is that they do have everything figured out. And I really love that you called that out and said, you know, it's it's me, it's my journey, it's I'm exploring and and I'm I'm sharing and learning as I go. And I think that's what really resonates. Um, There was a time in social media, as you well know from this space, that everything was so, you know, scripted and the aesthetic was a certain way. And I think I was one of the most happy and relieved people when that broke a few years ago and it really became more about authenticity and reality and less of let's have this same filter on every single post and more (laughs) showing up and being real. So I love that you called that out and you will have to go back a few episodes and listen. Uh, My friend Angel Beasley was a guest and she is over multicultural hair care. So if you haven't caught that episode, she is phenomenal. And um, you've just kind of hit on a lot of things that I think were push buttons for her as well. So can you talk a little bit about um, that journey from, I think, sort of the the written word, right? Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. working in social media, but probably posting um, more stagnant content to evolving into podcasting and uh, more appearances. What has that been like for you as you maintain your, your brand and your voice? Yeah. So, you know, starting out with my blog, Young Black and Opinionated, I think it was 2015, And I was just writing, 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 writing my heart out. And sometimes I didn't really get the response I wanted. You know, (laughs) I think as an influencer, you start to care about the numbers a little too much and the page views. And I really got wrapped up in all that. And so that's where someone told me, have you thought about transitioning to a podcast? And I didn't even know podcasting was at the time. (laughs) I think the first podcast I listened to, like most people, was probably a true crime podcast or something (laughs) like that. And that's what got me hooked. And I realized, wow, this is just out there for everybody to listen to for free. So that's when I kind of transitioned from the blog into the podcast. And that just opened up a whole nother world for me. You know, I I feel like, like you said, I kind of am a little bit better at verbal storytelling. I mean, I love writing, but I felt like I was kind of putting this effort in where maybe my audience wasn't. I don't think that my audience was reading blogs at that time. So once I found my niche and I really leaned into it, 
then, you know, a whole new world was opened up for me and I just learned a whole lot more. And so the podcast has evolved even in the past four years, you know, it started out with me just kind of doing a a pop culture roundup. And then I started inviting more guests on and diving into a whole topic for one hour. And I think the best part about that is really just, you know, kind of, like I said, listening to my audience and hearing what they need Mm -hmm. and then kind of working around that. And being a solo host, I'm kind of able to make the show what I want to. Um, yeah. You know, I, I try to follow trends. I wake up every day and I read Twitter and I see what's trending. But sometimes I kind of go off the beaten path and mm-hmm. I say, you know, nobody's talking about this and this is important to me. And the most important thing I learned about that is that nobody can tell my story like me. And right. so I was kind of getting in the weeds a little bit like, oh, there's a million podcasts out there. Why would anybody listen to mine? Yeah. But Nobody can tell your story the way you can. And that's that is the differentiator. And so once I started to get a little hard on myself, like, oh, the podcast isn't taking off. Nobody (laughs) cares. I was on Instagram one day and someone DM'd me like, no new episode today. And I said, wow, people actually listen. People actually care. That's cool. So that was the push I needed to keep going. And it just helped me realize that there might be a million people talking about this one topic, but Christina is going to talk about it differently. Christina is going to add a different perspective. And somebody out there is listening and does relate to that. I love that. Um, I think it's really neat for us to kind of see where a guest like yourself has great advice for an up and coming influencer or someone just finding their voice. An yeah. influencer gets thrown around, obviously, but I, I liked your reference even to blogging. I was in the old schools, uh, old school days of blogging as well. And it really, you know, for me at the time, it was cathartic. It was writing because I loved to write. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know or necessarily care at first if anyone would read it. But I think podcasting now has become this really intimidating thing. And to your point, it really is about not, you know, putting up walls and making assumptions that nobody wants to hear your story. They don't have to tune in if they don't want to, but just taking some risks and putting yourself out there and and realizing that it may resonate, which I think is really infectious and, and really good advice. Yeah. If I could interrupt, something you just said reminded me, you know, even just last year, Obviously, like I said, we're always kind of comparing ourselves to people on social media. And I had to stop and ask myself, like, am I doing this to glorify myself or am I really doing this for my audience? And that's Mm. where I had to kind of, you know, reevaluate my priorities. So I think that I got lost in the sauce, as they say. (laughs) I really was kind of just I want to be the next best podcast. I want to be the next, next best thing. I want a thousand followers. But I really have to stop and say, like, am I just doing this to hear myself talk or am I really doing this for other people? So I still have to kind of have those checkpoints sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that's great as well. I mean, to your point, obviously, I'm a pretty sociable person. And so I think about that a bit. And um, what has been surprisingly exciting and gratifying for me uh, as we've rolled out the Social Proof podcast has been um, it feeds my curiosity. Um, I'm very curious. I like to get to know people. I like to understand their story. And so it's been really surprisingly fun to be on the interviewer side, as I'm sure you found as a solo host, right? You get to dig into these topics that interest you and hear someone else's perspective. So I love that you shared that. So I'm curious, um, I mentioned to you before we started recording today that, um, again, since I continually stalk you on LinkedIn, I noticed uh, <laughs> a post that you had maybe six weeks ago um, where you mentioned the great resignation and taking yeah. that leap yourself. So will you dig into that and unpack it a bit? Yeah. So I was working full time, nine to five remotely, thank goodness, during the (laughs) pandemic, uh, working as a social media producer for Fast Company. And I would say last year, everything changed just in my own personal life. I I had some loss in my family Mm -hmm. and that kind of hit me hard. And 
I've never been in that position before where you lose family members and friends, but you're still working from home. And I just kept going. So mm. that was my first mistake. I didn't stop or yeah. even, you know, take some time to grieve. I really just kept working. And so from there, the job obviously became a little bit more demanding during the pandemic as everybody tuned into the media. Working for a media company was definitely <laughs> uh, stressful sometimes. And so I would say April, around April of this year, that's when I really realized, okay, I'm not okay. My mental health is not okay. And, you know, it was hard for me because I felt like a quitter, quote mm-hmm. unquote. You know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely am kind of that strong, independent woman who puts work first, but I was putting the job before myself. And so yeah. I finally decided to take that jump. I've, I've never, ever done anything like this in my <laughs> life, but I just left the organization with nothing lined up. I really didn't know what I was going to do next, but I just knew that I couldn't do that anymore because, the, like I said, you know, kind of always being on in the media, mm-hmm. posting every day. I couldn't even be creative. You yeah. know, the job was asking to me to be creative and come up with new TikTok ideas. And I really just didn't have it in me some days. And yeah. so I took a step away. And normally everybody's like, you know, announcing, oh, I'm leaving for this company. I'm leaving for that company. Yeah. I said, just I'm leaving, leaving <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing next. <laughs> but I decided to leave. And that was really, you know, a leap of faith for me. I'm a woman of faith. So, you know, I told my God, like, I'm trusting you and I'm just going to leave it in your hands. Luckily, I have a very supportive partner. So he's been kind of holding down the fort while <laughs> I figured things out. But I, I I saw Fast Company, you know, writing all these articles about the great resignation and I didn't know I was going to be next. But yeah. I, I just feel like people are finally waking up and putting themselves first. And that's that was most important to me, just taking the time to get a little bit of clarity. Mm-hmm. And now I realize, you know, maybe I don't want to be so close to social media. So right. I kind of have started to lean back into the writing and I'm freelance writing now, still doing the podcast. And really just figure out my next move. I love that. Well, we've got some ideas for you. You and I need to talk offline. But um, <laughs> yes. I, I think that is really interesting because you touched on a couple of things that caught my attention. Um, what I think that this occurred for you right before Mental Health Awareness Month, right? So yeah. I thought, and you leaned into that. I thought that was a great share that you called it out. Um, but what you really, what really caught me is you talked about the well being dry. And as mm-hmm. a creative, which sometimes I think, you know, the term is interesting, I think, for people who are podcasters or writers or, you know, I'm more of a producer of words, right? <laughs> Those around me would validate that. But, it, <laughs> you know, sometimes we struggle, I think, even to call ourselves creatives because we don't. I'm not a graphic designer. I don't have the incredible skill set that our friends recording and producing the podcast have. Um, but I am a different creative. And I see it when I'm not taking care of myself, when I'm spread too thin, the well is dry and I lose my creativity. I lose my ability to, I think, inspire and ideate and do some of the things that are of highest value to our company and our team and where I need to be. So I think it's such a bold move to recognize that. And then I think even more importantly, as you did, to make noise about it. Um, Because there are so many of these things that people are kind of quietly suffering through or, or thinking, well, I can't just leave my job if I don't have something lined up. So Were you conscious about that, about the way that you communicated it? And can you talk about that a bit? Totally. So after I left my job, I was kind of embarrassed in a way. And I know I shouldn't be, but I, I, like I said, I kind of felt like a quitter. And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm in my late twenties. So of course my parents were like, what are you doing next? Like, you know, everybody's (laughs) looking at you thinking like, what are you doing? Are you losing your mind? But Some people got it, though. Some the people who get it, they really get it because I realized I wasn't the only person who's suffering. And and when you people call me brave and courageous 
And I, I just, I didn't realize I was being that brave, but some people are like, no, we do not have the courage to do what you're doing. And so one of my friends said, oh, are you going to post about it? And I really struggled with it because we are in this culture where we have to post everything, right? You know, everybody Mm -hmm. wants to know what you're doing. We see you change your LinkedIn. You're not a fast company anymore. So what are you doing? But the reason I decided to go ahead and finally post something, which I took my time and I posted when I was ready. I didn't post the day after, you know, Mm -hmm. I decided to say something because like you said, I didn't want people to think they were alone. I didn't want people to think that wasn't an option. Like, it's okay to leave. You can leave whenever you want to. It's not a prison. Yeah, <laughs> it's not jail. I know sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes people feel like work is, they're just tied to it, but I wanted mm-hmm. to get the word out. But I also wanted to be respectful. You know, I, I don't want to, there's no ill will to my previous companies or anything like that, sure. but I just wanted to make sure that people knew why I left. And also, what am I doing with my time now? I also yeah. mentioned in the post, you know, I'm taking the time to exercise, meditate, play with my puppy, um, you know, binge TV shows. I didn't get a chance to because I was working all day long. And even even in this time, you know, I'm not just staying stagnant. I am upskilling, utilizing learning courses and and just preparing myself for that next role. But really doing it on my own time and not feeling the pressure of deadlines and tasks. And everyone jokes like, oh my gosh, you're going to hate it when you go back to work. But I really do think that this season has just been a great moment of clarity for me so that Mm -hmm. I can bring my best self if I do decide to go to a new job. That's awesome. I love that. And I love, again, we've kind of hit on this, but you're normalizing some of those things that, um, you know, you don't have to have something lined up. You can say, you know, it's too much. I need a timeout, those sorts of things, because the more they're discussed, the more they're um, the less we do what you were saying you did, which is to kind of feel that societal pressure of, you know, is this okay? Or, you know, do I look like a quitter? You know, how am I coming across those sorts of things? So I love that. So that was a cool segue into one of the questions we like to ask, which is what does your typical day look like? Which is probably very different now. And yes. I'm always curious, you know, are you a morning person? Are you a night person? And, and now that you have a little bit of freedom to be whatever you would like, what does that look like? I am definitely a morning person through and through. I'm one of those annoying people that wakes up at 6 (laughs) a.m. This is not a productivity tip or anything to anyone, but that's just how I operate. Uh, It started out because I used to have to commute to the Bronx like years ago from South Jersey. And so that was like a three hour commute. So I used to have to wake up at 5 a.m. And I kind of just naturally got used to it. But I've started to realize that I'm just so much more productive in the morning. Like if there's anything after 6 p.m. that needs my attention, it's not going to get done until tomorrow. (laughs) So my typical day, I normally wake up around 7 a.m. and I start with a devotional. I'm into my Bible, so I'll read a devotional or, you know, I'll just read a passage or something like that. And then I'll pray and just have that moment of clarity because I definitely was the type to start my day on Instagram. Mm -hmm. I still sometimes slip up and I'll go on Twitter before I do the devotional. But uh, (laughs) I started to, you know, really just get that moment of peace and quiet before I just tune into the outside world. And then from there, fitness has really become important to me. Um, Kind of like I said, you know, losing some people in my life last year due to health issues, that just made me realize I'm young and I really need to take care of myself now before it's too Mm -hmm. late. So I've really been into fitness like the past two years Um, and, you know, just working out. I I wouldn't consider myself a gym rat or anything like that, (laughs) but exercise has actually become therapeutic for me. I never thought that it would, but that's really my go to. And I love my gym playlist. That always pumps (laughs) me up in the morning. (laughs) 
And, you know, from there, I, I eat breakfast. I know some people skip breakfast, but I definitely am a breakfast person. As much as I work out, I also like to eat. I'm a foodie. <laughs> so I got to get that breakfast Same. in. Yeah. And then from there, you know, like you said, my day's completely different now. I used to log on nine to five and and stay glued to my computer. But now, um, you know, freelancing, I have that freedom and that flexibility. So I'll check my emails. I'll check, you know, whatever platform we're using. I've used Slack, Trello, all types of things. (laughs) Can't keep up with all the notifications now. But, um, you know, recently I've been working on a cool project where I get to write insurance claim stories. I never thought I could have some creative writing with insurance claims, but it's been really fun. Yeah. So there's some creative writing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, from there, you know, I kind of just take it a little easier nowadays. And I am binge watching TV, listening to podcasts, still consuming content, still consuming (laughs) a lot of content. Our habits (laughs) don't um, die easily. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, it's my my go to is definitely Twitter. I'm always on Twitter all day long. My own brother said he unfollowed me because I tweet too much. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't know that was a thing. I thought people tweet. Yeah, I thought you tweet a lot on Twitter. (laughs) But (laughs) yeah, I love Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I, of course, got into TikTok like everybody else during the pandemic. I've had one viral (laughs) moment on TikTok, so that's my claim to fame. Yeah, so last year I went to a museum in Philadelphia, uh, the Museum of Illusions, just did a simple video. And that's the thing, Beth, you know, it's always the content you don't expect right. to, to pop off. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting here trying to be funny and dance and and, and give you guys natural hair tutorials. And you don't want that. You just want a walkthrough of a museum. So <laughs> that video got over 7,000 likes and over a million views. I love it. And I try to, you know, kind of recreate that magic. But as an influencer, you know, sometimes it's one and done. That's so. right. I love that. No, that's super fun. And it, I loved your... I, um, you know, alluding to, you know, I'm trying to give you what you, what I think you want. And then when you sit back, yeah. you know, that's when it happens. So we, we've had so much fun, I think with um, some of our clients and our influencers, um, particularly with TikTok, because it is still the wild west and you never know what's going to hit. You never know what's going to go viral, but yeah. I think we're starting to hone it. And um, it's, I think it's becoming a little bit of a badge of honor for our staff. You know, they, they want to see something go viral on every campaign. So I almost yes. feel like they're back there, you know, crossing all their fingers and toes and betting on horses and gaming the system. Just like, come on, let's get yeah. it. But, um, <laughs> well, no. being a social media producer, you know, I kind of had the editorial staff looking at me like, make this go viral. Yeah. And that <laughs> was kind like, of a lot of pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's funny. <laughs> So, okay, I'm curious. Um, I love that you keep bringing up Twitter. Um, I was out there as a super early adopter of Twitter and everyone was like, what are you doing? This is, what is the point here? And then obviously um, Twitter died in popularity to a certain extent. Um, But I think there are now these like very diehard users who still kind of, as you alluded to, you know, lean on Twitter as their kind of live newsfeed. And, you know, the rest of the world is kind of like very over Twitter. So I want to give you a minute to exalt Twitter and tell us what you enjoy about it and who you follow and, and why it's so riveting to you. I can't believe that people are over Twitter. I don't think I will ever be over Twitter. Even when they announced Elon Musk might buy it or whatever, you I was like, okay. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. For me, Twitter is just all about community. And that's just my favorite thing in the world. Just talking to other people with like-minded ideas. You know, right now I'm following the hashtags for the TV shows I watch. Yeah. And before Twitter, I would like be on Reddit and see like, what are people saying about this TV show? And now I can just follow this hashtag. And maybe I'll even tweet something myself using the hashtag mm-hmm. and Mm-hmm. mentioned I have like been followed by Ava DuVernay before all that stuff <laughs> so that stuff is super cool to me but it's um fun. really 
For me, it has kind of changed a little bit, though, as we are in this age of misinformation on social media, just trying to gauge, is this source even factual or fiction, you know, kind of not taking every opinion on there seriously because there's a lot of people spewing hate out there. So I just make sure that I'm following, you know, good, like-minded people. I follow a lot of other, you know, Black creatives in the media space. Um, And I also, you know, from working at Fast Company, I followed some media mavens, people who are just awesome writers and things like that. But I, I really get a lot of ideas from Twitter, especially for my podcast. If I see a tweet going viral about any little thing, especially in this Black Twitter culture we have, yeah. Black Twitter is like its own thing. <laughs> it's kind of just jokes all the time and how we kind of just make the best out of a bad situation. So whenever I see something trending kind of in that space, it really sparks my creativity and gives me new ideas. Or I wouldn't even have known that Jennifer Hudson reached EGOT status if I wasn't on Twitter because I didn't watch the Tonys at all. But I saw that she got EGOT and I was like, okay, that's awesome. So really, like you said, kind of checking Twitter like the morning newspaper. That's how I do it. I love that. You know, especially working in the media and kind of seeing how things work behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. getting a few viral Twitter moments of my own on behalf of Fast Company. That was really awesome. That's cool. I mean, I I hope it doesn't change, but, you know, you can see some of our favorite things are already starting to change a little bit because everybody kind of has a boss to to listen to, you know, advertisers and things like that. But most importantly, I just hope that Twitter really keeps that community atmosphere. Mm -hmm. I love that. And you know, it's been a while since I've played with lists on Twitter, but as you were talking, I was thinking you probably have some great lists of who to follow from Black creators to media mavens. So I, I think that's really, yeah. um, you've kind of got my wheels turning again because I those are some of the things that I enjoyed most about Twitter. But I think probably like a lot of people, I was part of a mass exodus of just seeing so much hateful communication yeah. and so much depressing content. But it really boils down as in any social platform to who you follow and where you put your energy and where you don't put your energy and you don't put yeah. your support. So I, that was a great call out. I love that. So, okay. Um, I have so many questions for you. We're going to run out of time. So <laughs> I'm curious about, we have a question, two questions that sound similar, um, but they're different. So the first is um, what you're consuming right now. So I usually think about that as content. So that might be, you know, favorite podcasts, accounts you're following, um, a book you're reading. All of those are fair game. And then in a few minutes, we'll come back around to something you're so into. And usually that seems to be an object. It might be a hair product. It might be, you know, the the Stanley mug that everyone can't stop talking about, whatever the case may be. So let's start with what you're consuming and who you're following. Sure. So right now, like I said, I am binging a lot of TV. That's kind of my first love. You know, I just grew up with TV. So uh, right now I'm watching a lot of scripted television shows about true events, if that makes sense. Like, I'm I'm really into the true crime space. So I just recently watched uh, Candy on Hulu with Jessica Mm -hmm. Biel. Uh, I watched The Staircase on HBO with Colin Firth. He did an awesome job. So just, I I just love kind of tapping into, you know, true stories and see how they kind of articulate that on TV. Mm. And then I'll kind of dive in a little more and do my own research because I really am a documentary buff. I love just learning about history. And and it's like I said, storytelling, but this crazy stuff I can't believe actually happened in real life. So yeah, especially now with the streaming services taking off, I think I've subscribed to just about every single one. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just always seeing, you know, what content is, is really setting these streaming services apart and which mm-hmm. ones are kind of the best. And so for me right now, it's definitely Netflix. Is I, I know 
Netflix has lost, lost some subscribers, but Netflix God. still kind of captures me with their reality shows. I've never been a reality show person, but these dating shows are wild to me. So I'm definitely <laughs> getting into that space more. <laughs> but most importantly, just really consuming stuff from different genres because I don't want to pigeonhole myself. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, uh, it is about storytelling, but not just my storytelling, other people's stories and and learning about communities I never knew existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, my boyfriend put me on to Swamp People. I didn't know about <laughs> alligator hunting. I didn't know about that. That show has like 15 seasons. So you got just, so much content to consume. Yeah. <laughs> just learning like how other people live and what daily life is like for them and seeing the differences. So that's kind of what I've been consuming a lot of. That's cool. I loved that. So usually we try to respond. Um, I'm not a huge TV consumer um, and I'm really bad about I do have all of the services. But when I talk about a show that I do watch, someone says, well, what's that on? I'm like, oh, I don't really know. <laughs> I couldn't really tell you. I'm probably the first I can name it for you. <laughs> so I'm, I don't know if this is obscure or not because I have no, I am not pop culture or uh, culturally relevant. I'm just, I watch what I watch and I, I never know if it's trendy or not. But have you seen Dark, which I do believe is on Netflix? It's a German series. Mm. It's super I feel interesting. Like I've heard of that one. Yeah, it's really, really I think interesting. I've heard of that. I'm not even going to attempt to describe it, but it's worth looking okay. into. Um, it's riveting. And and I've had a few people say that it was kind of the inspiration behind a little bit of Stranger Things and a few other shows, but Ooh, um, it, it's very well that. done from a storytelling perspective. It's also um, one of those disturbing, like not gory, but disturbing in that your brain just can't process because there's all this time hopping. And anyway, it's very good. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. I did and a very poor a- job of pitching it, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> as a writer... For me, when I'm viewing this kind of content, I think to myself, somebody had to write this. So it came from their mind, you know, their creative mind. That's the most interesting part to me. Agree. And I think in that regard, you would find dark really, really interesting. And then I'm a a language buff. Um, I studied several languages, love linguistics. And so there are some subtitles and a lot of German in the show, which I thought would be, I don't know, disconcerting at first. But now I really love it. And I'm starting to hear the anglicized words in the German language. This is a really oh. geeky moment I'm having. But for me, that's very fun. And I find that everyone else watching it is like, just shut up. Yes, it's in German. And I'm like, but isn't that interesting? That word's so similar to ours. <laughs> anyway, that's so that's a me. fun side I'm, note. <laughs> I unfortunately will talk from beginning to end of a movie. And my family's like, will you please stop asking questions? We're watching it just like you. I know, right. But I just, I just find it so interesting and I, I can't help but to share it. So <laughs> me too. See, that's what makes you an influencer. So yes. <laughs> an influencer is just someone with an opinion who won't shut up until everyone else knows about the thing they're into. That's been my claim yes. all along. So. so you've talked to my family. I think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So are you, it's interesting, you're a writer, but you're obviously a television buff. And by the way, I love that you're calling this out because I think we think now that we have to only meditate and only do yoga and we can't admit that we like, you know, trashy TV or swamp people yeah. or binging dating shows or whatever the case may be. So is there anything that you're reading, um, whether it's magazines, articles, a book, something mm. you're into? Let me see. Uh, okay, there's this book about kind of how Black women kind of shaped the pop music industry. Okay. I can't remember the name of it, but I think it's by Danielle Smith. I think that's the author's name. We'll track it down and and put it in the show notes. 
Yeah, again, that that's kind of just interesting to me how, you know, women who look like me and, and represent me kind of had their hand in history. Mm-hmm. It's these untold stories that you never yeah. really hear about, you know? Yeah. So that is just super awesome to me. That sounds fantastic. We would love, so we'll track it down, get with you and make sure we share it. I'm interested as well. Great. Um, Daniel Smith. Okay. Um, let's see, what am I reading? Oh no, this is embarrassing as well. Um, I just realized what my current book is. So um, well, I guess the story behind it's interesting. So I went to a blind date book club, um, which I thought was really interesting. So the premise yeah. there, which we have shamelessly stolen um, at Soapbox, is that everyone receives a wrapped book and it's got maybe just a few keywords on the cover, but it Ooh. really doesn't give you much in terms of like what you're getting. And so the books go on the table, you grab your book, and then it's very, you get what you get, you don't throw a fit. So I thought it sounded great. And then I got my book and it was like... <laughs> Why a like young adult fantasy it is so not like I'm very oh, wow. historical fiction. I'm anyway, I have so I loved it because I made to your point about being a quitter, I made a commitment. So I had to read this book that I was so not excited about. And it is one of the best books I've read in wow. a very long time. Um so highly recommend um the first one, what was the first one called? Um The House on the Cerulean Sea. I think I've got that a little bit off slightly on the title, but it's TJ Klum. Um, and the, I'm now reading the second. It's not really a sequel, but oh, it's called they got Under you on the Second One. They did, yeah. So <laughs> it's it's called Under the Whispering Door, um, and it's it's a really really interesting book. It it's very, I mean, it's kid oriented. My daughter is reading it. I passed it along to her. She's 11. Oh, nice. As soon as I finished it, the first book, um, The House in the Cerulean Sea, was described as a big gay blanket, and I was like this. <laughs> doesn't check out with this sort of fantasy characters and YA. Um, But the author, I think, is doing an incredible job of saying, I'm gay and I'm trying to put these stories out. There are no storytellers like me, to your point about creators and women who look like me. And so it is beautifully written, just beautifully written, both books. And um, they really pull you into a world world that feels a little bit Harry Potter, um, but also just very hopeful and beautifully written. So highly recommend those. I'll, we'll drop those in the show notes as well. Never in a million years would have thought I'd go down that path, but that's what I think made this blind date book club premise so cool. Cause here I am on the second book of something I thought I wouldn't enjoy at all. Um, okay. So now back to, uh, we've got to ask you about podcasts. I'm kind of making you go to the nth degree on what you're consuming, but you have so many great resources. So being a producer, obviously, we want you to further plug Young, Black, and Opinionated. Yes. But um, what else do you listen to? Oh, wow. Uh, I mostly listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Like I said, I love that genre. <laughs> I love that genre. But also, um, you know, I, I discovered this podcast where these two women just pick a topic and then they talk about like their favorite films about that topic. Okay. And that kind of goes hand in hand with my love for TV and films. <laughs> Um, but yeah, mostly just like investigative journalism. Podcast. <laughs> I um, love it. Uh, yeah, I'm really just into that that genre right now. What was the title of the podcast with the two women diving oh, into? Man. Uh, we'll find that too. It's okay. We know. We something. Oh, I have to figure it out. <laughs> it's cool. It's, we'll it's kind of like it. a play on "We Know What You Did Last Summer." It's okay. like a play on that. Okay, I have to find it for you. You're really teasing us. You're like, here's this great podcast. Can't come up with it. I, I can never. I can't book. remember. Don't know what it's called. <laughs> you really put me on the spot, but I'll, I'll definitely make sure. I'll definitely make sure I get that for you guys. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, I want to explore all of those. I think listeners will as well. Okay, so coming back to that other similar question. Um, well, actually, I'm going to time out real quick. Is there anything you want to talk about? Any questions you have or something you want to serve up? 
Yeah. I mean, just learning so much more about you. As you said, I've done my stalking too on LinkedIn. (laughs) And I guess I'm curious where, you know, you see influencer marketing kind of going in the next like five years, because as you said, the platforms have changed a little bit. Some people feel like it's oversaturated. And (laughs) sometimes I too, you know, see a lot of good content and I see a lot of content where I'm like, all right, you just made this for clicks. So how do you feel the industry is kind of going the next five years? Oh, that's a cool question. Um, I wish I had a crystal ball. I I do have hunches. (laughs) Um, And I will give you a, a little bit of a, I'll preface this. I always like to say I'm a decrepit, aged out influencer. So I started (laughs) blogging really early. I was on Twitter really early. I was um, exhausting people telling them about this Pinterest thing that was coming out that they had to check out, right? I know, exactly. So really had fun in those early days of as, you know, social media platforms were exploding, I was all in. I was like, I want to know all about this. Tell me all about it. I'm going to dive in. Um, So I did some work with influencer agencies in the early days of, we didn't even say influencer then. Um, I don't even know what we said. Mommy bloggers, I think, or something um, (laughs) equally horrible. Um, And so as a marketer, I I was seeing all of these ways that I felt things could be done better, um, either more ethically or um, just, uh, you know, with more authenticity or just a different process. And I felt like there was this sort of mark being missed between brands and creators. They they didn't know totally. how to communicate with one another effectively. And so, uh, you know, I always say that if I was going to take up real estate on my blog or my social channels, I wanted to really understand what the brand was trying to achieve because I was willing to help them. But if they didn't give me clear direction, then I might miss the mark and then they'd be disappointed and I'd feel bad and all of these things. So that's kind of what brought Soapbox to fruition um, was that idea and just um, our parent company was very forward thinking and was willing to kind of say, let's try it. Let's let's see what happens, right? So all of that to say, we did a lot of tire kicking and a lot of figuring it out. And, you know, yeah. eight years later, here we are. All that time, I felt like um, there's there's more of a market for the everyday influencer than the big celebrity creator. Um, yeah. And that's certainly continued to be the trend. But I think even more so, like, I don't know how many followers you have, nor do I care, but I love that you were talking about being a brand ambassador for this specific product that resonated and worked for you. And I think that's, that's the key, right? Is something you really believe in. And obviously we have, we're about to talk about something you're really into. So we all have multiple products and things that we really believe in and stand behind. And so there is an opportunity for influencers to you know, promote multiple products and still do it authentically, but they have to take a breather and do what you're doing, which is, you know, to binge TV and to tell stories about, you know, this awesome museum that you visited and to weave in that real content as well. So that wasn't exactly a lightning bolt moment, but I think (laughs) it's really, it boils down to more authenticity. And then I think um, everyday creators, Um, I always am ready for, you know, the, the tablecloth to get ripped out and this industry to die. Um, because there are so <laughs> there are so many reasons that it could, and yet it continues to resonate. And I think that speaks to all of us doing what you do on Twitter. We we want to hear from everyday people. We want to we're willing to be influenced by people we believe in or we relate to. And I think there's probably always going to be room for word of mouth marketing in that regard. So whew, that was long winded. Yeah. There you go. Well, <laughs> you mentioned, you know, pulling that tablecloth. And I feel like we just got a glimpse of that for one day when Facebook shut down. You remember yes. that day? <laughs> yes. Everyone went crazy. And yes. I was just like, 
I don't have a job. It's gonna be if a I thing. don't have social media. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if we if we just completely got rid of Facebook, Instagram, all of yes. it, I was like, what am I gonna do? Yep. And I realized, well, I have a podcast, so I can still use that, you know? So yeah. I sometimes I think about that as well, you know, where's where's the market going? Sometimes my Instagram feed has just become people I don't even follow and different commercials and things mm-hmm. like that. But like you said, I really just think it goes back to that authenticity. And mm-hmm. when I became a brand ambassador. I didn't think I had enough followers at all. I had like less than a thousand followers, but yeah. that's what I learned about the different tiers of, you know, influencers. Right. You can be a nano, you can be a yes. macro. I'm like, okay, I'm, what's less than a nano? That's me. I yeah. think I'm like <laughs> under a yeah. nano influencer. But I think that also with Gen Z coming up, they're starting to get a little smarter as well. And I feel like that generation, they're kind of calling brands and companies out on their BS and yeah. they want to see real people too. And For sure. these you know, big Fortune 500 companies are scrambling, like, where can we get real people? We can't use stock images anymore. Right. Especially coming from advertising and graphic design. Yeah. I've literally been tasked with, like, scrolling through stock imagery to find diverse faces. You know, yes. it's, it's I, I've seen nothing. it all. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm glad to see that the next generation yeah. behind me is kind of coming up and, and they're speaking out about that as well, because yeah. I feel like to be an influencer, you do have to speak up and you also have to be an advocate and Mm -hmm. calling people out and telling them when when they're not right, even when it's uncomfortable. I've had to do that kind of in the workplace sometimes as well, you know, with diversity and inclusion. So I'm just super glad, like you said, that it's all coming unhinged a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And that's becoming normalized, which is really actually pretty exciting, you know, that, you know, I always say kind, but firm, right? We can bring up tough things. I think if we are kind, um, but direct or firm, right? And so I think that's actually becoming a little bit more normalized as well. So, okay, two final questions. I'm going to give you a prompt. So, you know, this last one is coming and then we'll talk about what you're so into. Um, You said something that I thought was really great right there and it would be a good segue, but I'd rather it be our final question. Um, And that's, you know, how do you wield influence with integrity, right? Um, Or how do you, Think about your brand position and how you put yourself out into the world and, you know, just Christina's perspective, what what matters? What do you stand for and how do you position yourself? So that's going to be the last question. I'm just giving you time to think about it a little bit. Um, And while you tee that up, um, what's something that you're so into right now? Well, uh, as if I don't have enough going on in my life, I'm also a crafter. I'm very much into arts and crafts. Um, I've been an artist since I was a kid. So it's amazing. Um, just working with different mediums and, you know, kind of during this transitional season of my life, um, I've been painting, but I wanted to learn something new. So I started working with clay and oh, cool. this is something I've never really done before. I took a pottery class I won like a free workshop on Instagram. Thanks, Instagram. (laughs) And so I went to the workshop and that was so therapeutic because I was having such a bad day. And I went to that class and it just turned it around, working with my hands, molding that clay and, you know, handing it off for them to put in the fire to kill and all that stuff. That was just awesome. And so I decided I would try it at home. (laughs) Didn't work out at home. Not great at home. Now you've got a pottery wheel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I tried to make some like DIY coasters and and little trinket trays out of clay you can put in the oven. (laughs) I live at the craft store. They take all my money. But... It it wasn't really about the outcome for me. It was just like working with my hands and really sitting down and turning off the TV for once and just doing something really creative. And even if it's not clay, if I'm doodling or something with markers, you know, that kind of just gets the juices flowing and Mm -hmm. it might bring me my next idea. So I I love, love, you know, arts and crafts. That's something I'm really into. 
That's such a good call out. And I love that that's had such a resurgence um, during the pandemic as we were all bored out of our minds and, you know, everyone was ordering paint by number kits and things like that. But (laughs) I I think we really did fall back in love with a lot of these very basic things that we physically do that, you know, as humans, we were starting to forget about. And I love that. Like puzzles. Yes, like puzzles. Exactly. (laughs) You made me remember I I went to a beading workshop a few weeks ago and um, I laugh at this because the, the woman who conducted it said, we're so excited to get you young people into beating. And I'm like, I'm, I'm 45. Like, how old are y'all? And she, she said, no, really, you're young for our craft. Um, and I, I did not care about the output. It's something, it was kind of gaudy. It's not something I would wear, but yeah, I sat there for two straight hours. I did have cocktails, but I said, <laughs> I said there were two straight hours putting teeny tiny microscopic beads on a needle, pricking myself and having oh, the time yeah. of my life. Because to your point, you just, you sort of turn everything off and do it anyway. Very therapeutic. Yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah. I, I should try that. Maybe I'll try beading next. <laughs> I can hook you up with a beading society that is eager to have young awesome. beaters much younger than me probably. <laughs> so you fit the mold. Um, okay. So let's come back to that final question, because I think it's a great way to end. Just we really want both brands and influencers to think about what it means to be influential. And it's not really about followers, right? It's about authentic connections and, and being real. And so I'm always curious, how do you wield your influence? What matters to you? What, you know, what's the hill you'll die on? And how do you position yourself in yeah. the world? The hill I will die on is definitely sticking to your values. Those values that I grew up with. I did kind of have a Midwest background growing up in the church. (laughs) I'm from Gary, Indiana originally. (laughs) But I always say I'm glad that my mom, you know, took my phone and grounded me because some people that I grew up with today, they, they didn't stay on track and they don't have those same values. And those are the people, you know, kind of showing their butts on Instagram nowadays, you know, and I just don't want to fall into that because it's so easy to just do what everybody else is doing. And it's hard to kind of, like you said, lead with integrity and still have those values. But I'm not, you know, trying to be holier than thou or anything, but I do think that when you stick to those values, people can tell and it shows through your work. And there's just some things people know you're, uh, this is not TMZ or this is not, (laughs) you know, YBO is not that you're going to get the pop culture news and you're going to know what Cardi B is doing and X, Y, Z, but I'm always going to put a twist on it. And I'm going to say, all right, well, what can we learn from this now? Instead of just talking about people's gossip, you know, what's the educational takeaway Mm -hmm. from this or something like that? And like you said, you know, it might not resonate with everybody. If this isn't the podcast for you, then so be it. But I just think that when I stick to who I am and stay true to who I am, other people can relate. And I kind of make it cool to be kind. Like you said, you know, it's okay to not really do what everybody else is doing. And I think that people really respect that. And it's refreshing, it honestly. Is. It is. I love that. That That's such a great note to end on. And um, I could sit here and talk to you all day. So I will spare our listeners a three-hour session. But uh, um, yeah. I'm sure they'll be tracking you down as well as your recommendations. It was an absolute joy to talk to you. Thank you for making time to be Thank on social. Thank you so proof. much, Beth. Yeah, we'll yes, talk soon. Thank you. Take care.